agriculture than it ever before. Uh, but all these different ideas come to us from different places. But where do we get the ideas about marriage that truly make the most difference and, and that truly matter the most? We get them from God. And God has told us in his word what marriage is supposed to be. Some, some specific things. And uh, he has given us directions uh, defining marriage, but also about the purposes of marriage. And, and we would do well, I think, to listen to those things so that we can live in the fullness of what God has for us in our marriage relationships. Uh, the scripture that we're going to look at today is actually a scripture about divorce. Uh, but in this scripture about divorce, God tells us some things about marriage. Uh, he quotes some of the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, and we're going to look at these things, and we'll talk about the divorce part of it, Lord willing, next week. Uh, but uh, I want to just focus on the specific things that God says marriage is supposed to be today. Uh, the Pharisees are coming, asking Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus asked him, well, what, is the, what does the Bible say? Great question, right? What's the law tell you? And they quote uh, Deuteronomy 24, which talks about the requirement, if a man was going to divorce his wife, he had to give her a certificate of divorce, or a, a document of divorce, uh, and that was a protection for her. But the, uh, Jesus says, uh, haven't you heard what they said at the beginning? That uh, God made them male and female. They'll be The two will be one flesh, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And so Jesus directs them to the earlier scripture of God's original intention before sin and the fall came into the picture and made Deuteronomy 24 necessary. What is God's original intention for marriage? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? What did God design marriage to be? Uh, and so uh, that's what we're going to look at, and we need to follow God's wisdom on this. Uh, the title of my message is, is uh, uh, God's Intentions for Marriage. God's Intentions for Marriage. So look with me at verse 1, and we'll, we'll begin uh, to read the scripture. It says, He set out from there and went to the region of Judea across the Jordan. Then the crowds converged on him again, and as was his custom, he taught them again. Some Pharisees came to test him, asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He replied to them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted us to write divorce papers and send her away. But Jesus told them, He wrote this command for you because of the hardness of your hearts. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples questioned him about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. So God's intentions are marriage, for marriage. What are those intentions? Uh, God intends that your marriage should, first of all, be exclusive. Exclusive. In other words, it says he made them, verse 6, he made them 
male and female. From the beginning of creation, God had a purpose. He didn't create one man and four women for him to marry. He didn't create five man, men and one woman to marry. Okay, He created one man and one woman. He also didn't create two men or two women. That's worth saying in our culture today. Uh, it is one man, one woman, exclusive. God makes these two one flesh. And so that is God's intention, exclusive relationship. Why? Well, there are some practical reasons and some reasons for the health of a marriage uh, why God did that. But there's also a much more significant reason, and that is marriage is intended to be a picture of our relationship with God. In the Old Testament, God calls himself the groom and Israel the bride. In the New Testament, God calls Christ the groom and the church the bride. So marriage is intended to be a picture of God's relationship with us. It's to teach us about our God. And so the scripture uh, sets this up uh, so that we can learn something about God. First of all, that God loves us. Secondly, that, that God wants to draw us into a relationship with himself that lasts forever. I had one fellow in my last church, he said, he said look, he said, you Baptists, he said, I just don't understand this eternal security thing. He said, how can you believe that you can never lose your salvation? And I asked him, I said, well, how long is eternal life? He said, well, he said, I guess it's eternal. I said, yeah, it's not life till you mess up. It's eternal life, eternal relationship with God. That's God's intention. God loves it. Can you imagine that? I mean, if, if I was God, and I look down here at old Roger Pugh, I think I would say, <laughs> boy, I've had enough. Roger, uh, take, take, your, uh, take your walk. Uh, you're on your own. Uh, I'm done with you. But that's not what God did. The Bible tells me that God's mercies are new every morning. And God consistently forgives me. He draws me back into relationship, into fellowship. I'm, the relationship's not lost, but the fellowship sometimes is, is broken through my sin. Uh, it's an unconditional love. You see, God calls us into marriage relationship to love that person with his kind of love, which is unconditional love. And so uh, exclusive relationship is part of God's plan. Now, this exclusive relationship has also got some other benefits. Protects you from disease. Um, the world out, out there, they say, well, you know, people are going to commit, uh, they don't call it sin, but uh, they'll say uh, people are going to have sex, so we just need to educate them on the best way to do it. But can I tell you what's a whole lot better than, than uh, using contraception or protection and so forth, as they will say, and that is to abstain from sex until you're married and then be faithful to your spouse. You won't have to worry about sexually transmitted disease. It will protect you. Listen, God knows what he's talking about. So, um, so that's part of it. Also, relationally, 
How does a relationship thrive? A relationship thrives when there is safety and trust. And if there's unfaithfulness, and if, there's, if a person's always wondering, is today the day this person's going to leave? There's not security there. A relationship can't thrive in that context. And so God knows that that eternal, that, that lasting commitment until death do you part is important for the sake of the quality of the relationship as well. Uh, also, elsewhere in Scripture, it says, God wants you to be faithful so you can raise a godly seed. So when two people stay together in an exclusive relationship, they're able to bring up children and train them to fear God. You see, this is what exclusive relationship is all about. This is God's plan. So God's intention, first of all, is for our marriage to be exclusive. Uh, So a couple of things about that. Also, uh, we need to be careful that we're exclusive, not only just physically, but also emotionally and mentally. Sometimes people will get into a friendship with a person of the opposite sex. Nothing wrong with a friendship with somebody of the opposite sex. But sometimes these friendships can develop and can begin to supplant that relationship that person has with their spouse. So that when there's news about something good happening, the first person you think of going to is not your spouse, but this other person. That's a very dangerous place to be. Because when you're there, the next step is adultery. So uh, guard your heart against that. Uh, You need some more distance in a relationship. If you're you're going down that path, you need to cool it and, and pull away from that relationship So, for the sake of that exclusive relationship with your spouse. Another way you need to be exclusive is in your mind. Uh, We are inundated in our culture with uh, temptation. Uh, For for guys, usually that's more visual. Uh, But also there is a a temptation of touch and so forth. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, an inappropriate touch, but just a, a touch of kindness. Sometimes can lead somewhere else. Uh, and so we need to be careful what we do and, and where our mind is in relationships with other people. The sin, I, I, I had a, a fellow at a former church, uh, he told me, he said, my wife doesn't mind if I look at the menu as long as I don't touch. Sounds okay, but uh, that's not what the Bible The Bible teaches that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, out of the overflow of the heart come adultery and all these other things. Uh, Proverbs says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And so you need to be careful with your mind, because if you're feeding your mind pornography, or if you're feeding your mind on, uh, you know, you got the pinups everywhere, or, or, you know, Uh, This is not a good thing because it leads your mind away from where it needs to be. By the way, just just an FYI for you, did you know the physical relationship within marriage has been shown to be stronger when pornography is out of the picture? Just just an extra information for you. Uh, So exclusive relationship, that's God's plan for you. Uh, so, so what does God intend 
uh, for your marriage. He wants your marriage to be exclusive. Secondly, purposeful. God made them. He wants your marriage to have purpose. God designed you, made his master plan. There's nobody else in this world exactly weaknesses and, and talents and so forth that he has mingled together in you for his purpose. And this spouse that you have committed your life to, he joins the two of you together. He says that here in a few minutes. Uh, but he makes you one. One for your individual purposes, but also one for your purposes together. Because God wants you to help your spouse fulfill their purposes in a more efficient way. And he wants your spouse to help you fulfill your purposes in a more efficient way. Usually opposites attract, right? Uh, in the dating relationship, uh, you know, the opposites are, oh, isn't this person wonderful? After marriage, a lot of times it's irritation, right? Boy, this person doesn't do it like me, you know. And, um, and so... Uh, but those differences are actually given to a couple on purpose because God knows that you're better together using your gifts together than you were by yourself. And it makes you more effective. It's amazing how God will do these things. You know, one of Sherry's jobs, and, uh, it, she's no longer doing this, but uh, earlier in her career, was that she was doing some editing work. So then God lays it on my heart to write a book. And guess what she did? She helped me edit my book. Two gifts together. My, my, my manuscript looked like a Red Sea. Uh, but that was her gift. And she helped me uh, pr produce something that was better than if I had done it on my own. You see, that's the way marriage is supposed to work. I've got mechanical gifts. And so I will sometimes, and this is efficiency. This is not necessarily uh, with the kingdom of God here. It's just a home efficiency, but I can use those mechanical gifts sometimes to fix something, and it makes her life easier. And so uh, we, there's, this, there's this back and forth uh, and, and this help so that we're better together than we were initially apart. You remember what God said to Adam? He says, I'm making a help me fit for you. Uh, in other words, designed specifically for you. I've got uh, this great idea, Adam, to help you out, not only relationally, but also effectively, so that you can be as effective as you can be, and so that she can be as effective as she can be uh, in fulfilling my purposes for your life. Um, each different system of our bodies has purpose, right? You've got your respiratory system, right? I, I'm pretty familiar with that one because I have asthma, so sometimes I'm having problems with that. It's, uh, it, it, but uh, that respiratory system helps me get oxygen into my blood so that I can function and do what I need to do. Uh, I've also got a muscular system, but my muscular system can't work if I'm not getting oxygen to my lungs. By the way, my brain also doesn't work too well. I get pretty stupid sometimes when I start, I can't get air. There's no oxygen to my brain. See, all these systems are important. And so God puts two different systems together in marriage, but then he puts different marriages in a church. So that there's this system and that system and that system and that system. 
It's all working together for this purpose. So don't, don't uh, forget the purpose that God put you together. And also, part of that purpose will be realized in the raising of your kids. You'll have different gifts and so forth in doing that as well. And uh, that's important uh, to recognize. So um, God intends for your marriage, first of all, to be exclusive. Secondly, to be purposeful. Thirdly, to be primary. Look at verses 7 and 8. It says, For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother, and the two will become one flesh. The marriage relationship is supposed to be the primary family relationship. You've heard about letting go of the apron strings. This is, this is what this verse is about. To leave. That doesn't mean you don't have any any fellowship with your parents, you don't see your parents, uh, hopefully you've got a great healthy relationship with your parents. But your primary relationship when you get married is to be with that spouse. That, that's supposed to be the primary relationship of life after marriage. More important also than the kids. I can't tell you how often I hear a couple who comes into my office, sometimes maybe they're later in life, they've got kids and so forth and they're getting married. Um, and they'll say, the kids are number one. That's what the culture says, right? Kids are supposed to be number one. Mistake. The kids are not supposed to be number one in your relationship. Your spouse is supposed to be number one in your relationship. Your kids, yes, they are important. But guess what? Kids grow up and leave. The spouse is to be the one that is, that is the most important investment uh, in your uh, family. And so also recognize this too. Uh, you have David. Uh, the scripture tells, uh, tells us that David had a friendship with Jonathan uh, that was greater than his relationship with women. You know, in the sense that it was a greater friendship. Uh, you investment should be with your spouse. The number one investment of your time. Why? That's a primary relationship. That's the way God has designed it to work. Okay? So leave. And by the way, let me just say a word to parents. If your kids get married and you interfere in their marriage and you try to get them to go against their spouse, you know what you're doing? You're causing problems for that marriage relationship. Many marriages break up because mom or dad can't let go. Just a little extra information there. Uh, the marriage relationship is supposed to be primary. So uh, next, God intends that that marriage relationship should be lasting. Look at verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. The marriage relationship is to be until death do you part. That's the intention of God. We already talked about the fact of the eternal life, the eternal commitment uh, that God makes to us in salvation. Uh, but it is to be lasting. Uh, listen, there are some things you can do for your marriage relationship to help it be lasting. Number one, listen God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak. 
That'll help a lot. Sometimes just close your mouth. Uh, you know, I, God's had to do that. God convicted me with that when my, with one of my kids. Roger, you just need to shut your mouth. Sometimes we need to do that. Anyway, uh, be aware that you're listening and you're trying to, to understand that person and work with that person uh, and, uh, and try to identify with them. Okay? That will go a long way. Also, be respectful of that person. Um, sometimes people will be very disrespectful of their spouse. Uh, we had a lady in our last church. She told me about a relative that would slap her husband in the back of the head all the time. She'd walk up behind him and whap. Disrespectful. That's not a good idea. Okay? Uh, some people are disrespectful in their words. You know, they'll, uh, oh, my wife. Oh. Nag, nag, nag. All right? Uh, be respectful in what you say about your spouse, and especially in public. Don't say, you know what's wrong with my husband? What's wrong with my, my wife? And then go down the list. It's disrespectful to your spouse. If there's a problem, go to your spouse and seek to work that out and maybe get some help with that. But, but air your private business and problems with your spouse in public. That will destroy trust in your marriage. Um, turn down the criticism. Sometimes people are so critical, they constantly tear down other people. If you do that, you are destroying and pouring acid upon your relationship. God has called us as Christians to build each other up, right? We use our words, we use our actions to help us be stronger in the faith and stronger as, as people. Uh, don't criticize your spouse. Well, you need to be like me. I can't believe you do things this way. I can't believe you. Some people even use words like stupid. I can't believe you're this stupid. Don't do that. That's criticism, and, it, and it's a negative thing. It's not that you can't address the problem. Address the issue. Don't attack the person. Instead of saying, I can't believe you, that's stupid to do things that way. Say, you know, when you do, the, do, do something this way, it frustrates me because this is how I'm wired. Could you please do, do, it, do it a little differently, do it this way, or, or uh, at least work, meet me halfway, okay? If something's driving you crazy, don't attack the person Attack the issue. See if you can come to, a, to an agreement about the issue. Uh, so, um, being lasting, uh, we've also already talked about the exclusiveness and so forth, we, being careful in your thought life and so forth. Uh, also, pray for your spouse. If your spouse is doing something that's unwise, or if your spouse is doing something that is sinful, or your spouse is doing something that drives you crazy, pray for them. You'll be amazed what simple prayer will do. Uh, my mother used to tell me, she'd say, uh, your, daddy's, your daddy's making this decision, uh, but I prayed that God will change his mind. And I tell you, it over and over again, changed his mind. She told my wife about it, she's using that dirty trick on me. And so, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, that's a good thing to do. Pray for your spouse. Uh, pray for their spiritual life. 
and do what you can to foster that spiritual life. Because if your spouse is walking closely with God and they're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, can I tell you, that's going to make a difference in your marriage. When, when your spouse is loving you like Christ loves us, that's a game changer. Also recognize that there may be seasons of your life that you, as an individual, have to make a choice to do things a certain way, to be what God wants you to be, even if your spouse is not responding to God in the way they should, or not responding to you in the way you should, they should. Uh, sometimes you just go through a season, don't you? You go through a season of time, and, um, and God is working. Listen. You're, you may be seeing that thing in your spouse. That spouse may be seeing something in you, right? But guess what? If we pray for each other and we work in that situation, endure in that situation, uh, God can often change the heart of another person so that they're completely different. I, I know uh, my parents, my dad shared in his testimony uh, about how hard he was as an individual before he came to Christ. He's just very, very cold, very hard. Uh, and uh, he, he, my parent, my mother was waiting on the stoop for the taxi to come get her to take her back to Florida for good. And my dad humbled himself and said, please stay. He said it took every ounce of willpower he had to say that. She said, I was looking for any sign you still love me. Can you believe that? They stayed together. Through that circumstance, my dad came to faith in Christ. And you know what my mom's testimony was? I have a different husband. My husband's completely different. So don't. Take God out of the equation. Sometimes we're too quick to say, well, nothing can, can help and uh, there's no hope. Listen, we serve a risen Savior. Jesus is able to help us in our circumstances. So uh, God wants your marriage to be lasting. Finally, he wants your marriage to be pure. Verses 11 and 12. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. Also, if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Um, I mentioned last week about the context in Matthew of uh, Jesus saying, he who lusts after a woman commits adultery in her heart, or in his heart. Um, and then the, the statement, the parallel passage to this one, follows directly after that. So the idea is, this is why Pharisees asked the question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus saw their hearts. What are they looking towards? I get tired of this relationship. I just move on to the next one. God wants your marriage to be pure. One man, one woman for a lifetime. Uh, exclusive to the marriage relationship. By the way, this not only includes adultery, it also includes premarital sex. God wants your, your marriage to be pure. Now, obviously, there is healing and redemption and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Praise God for it. We all need God's forgiveness. Um, 
But just know this. If you honor God with purity in your life, there'll be some blessings that you will experience more easily probably than others who haven't honored God in that. Um, Song of Solomon talks about uh, the, the exclusiveness of that relationship and um, uh, about, I, I'm, a, I'm a locked garden. And the, the value of this exclusive relationship, of course, Solomon then went astray uh, later on in his life, and he left, he left that original uh, commitment and intention in his life. But um, this will be a blessing to you. Keep your marriage pure, not just for the sake of your marriage, but for the sake of your relationship with God. Um, David, in, in his sin, uh, if you read Psalm 51, he says, Lord, he, he's gone for like a year. Finally, Nathan the prophet comes to him and says, you are the man, you know the story. Uh, confronts him about his adultery with Bathsheba and then murdering her husband to cover it up. And for like a year, David has been in a spiritual desert. He says, Lord, let the bones you have crushed once again rejoice. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He says, Lord, I'm in a, I'm in a spiritual desert. You see, purity in your relationship with your spouse will also help you with your relationship with God. So it's very important. Uh, so God's intentions for marriage, exclusive, purposeful, primary, lasting, and pure. Uh, if you'll put these into practice in your life, I think they'll be a great blessing to you uh, in your life. And if you don't yet know Jesus Christ... Um, you need a spiritual groom. His name is Jesus Christ. And you need a relationship with him. And uh, Jesus came and he lived the perfect life we couldn't live because we're all sinners. He died the death on the cross that we deserved and he rose again. And the Bible says if we'll choose to turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus, that he'll forgive us, he'll give us eternal life, and he'll begin with us an eternal relationship. That will never end. And this life will just be the down payment of what's yet to come. What a wonderful uh, promise. What a wonderful blessing. Uh, if you'd like to make that decision today, I just want to invite you uh, to come up here to the front here in a moment uh, after I pray and we begin to sing. Uh, you come here to the front and you say, uh, I need a relationship with Christ. It would be my joy to, to help you with that. Uh, if you're here today and you say, you know, uh, I've failed in one of these areas uh, in my marriage. And I just need to confess that to God. Maybe you need to come to this altar and just silently pray to the Lord and say, Lord, I have, I have blown it in my marriage. I need your, your grace and your help in this. Uh, you know, Lord, please, please change my heart and help me to be uh, the husband or wife that I need to be. This altar is open. If you need prayer, I'd be happy to pray for you. Uh, whatever whatever uh, God would lay upon your heart to do, you respond to him. Maybe there's somebody here, you say, you know, I believe this is where God wants me to serve. I want to make my membership official uh, and join with the membership of this church. Uh, or perhaps follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Whatever God's leading you to do, you respond right now as he leads. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for uh, your word and for uh, speaking into our lives and showing us your wisdom and giving us your direction. Lord, we need it. Um, Lord, help us. Give us grace. Uh, to follow these wise directives you've given us so that we can live in the fullness 
of the blessing that you have for us. And uh, Lord, help us to enjoy the joy of our salvation because we're walking with you. Uh, Lord, help us to have the love that you have for your church in our hearts toward our spouse. And uh, Father, help us honor you in our marriages.